Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences in how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why you might consider giving up something for a little while, and I will give a hack based on my bad experience with a pair of leather pants. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, outer order, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who I call my sister, the sage. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and Gretch, I will try to be extra wise today to live <laughs> up to that name. Every day. Try to bring the wisdom. Bring the wisdom. Excellent. <laughs> so, to remind everybody, we are taking it live and on tour. We're so excited. Yay. New York City. Detroit, Milwaukee, Minneapolis. You can get information and buy your tickets selling out uh, if you go to GretchenRubin.com slash events. We are so excited about the opportunity to meet some listeners face-to-face. Yes, it's going to be so fun. Yes. Now, Elizabeth, this week our Try This at Home tip is to give up something for a month. Yes, and this is something I did, Gretchen. Yeah. I gave up alcohol for a month in January. I did dry January. Yeah, and this is something I started in the UK, and it seems like it's really becoming more and more popular. And so why did you decide to give up drinking for a month? Well, I just decided after, you know, indulging a lot over the holidays, January was a good time to give up alcohol, all those extra calories. I was really trying to jumpstart weight loss. And I Mm. thought, well, there's a lot of calories in alcohol. Plus women especially really aren't supposed to drink that much alcohol. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't just sort of mindlessly drinking wine all the time that if I, you know, I wanted to eliminate it so that if I brought it back in, I would be more mindful about it. Yeah, and I think this is a lot of times people think, well, if I take something out, um, like Whole30 is a program where people do this with, they give up certain foods for 30 days and stay tuned. We're going to have a lot more about Whole30 and Melissa Hartwig coming up. Yes. But the idea is, is like you give it up and you see, well, what does it feel like not to have this? And then I can reintroduce it and then feel differently about something because I haven't been doing it. A lot of people give up shopping for a month because they're like, I just want to take this out of my life and maybe I'll reset my baseline or I'll make myself uh, notice my behavior more. I want in this kind of mindless, habitual behavior, um, you shake yourself out of that. Yeah, and I found it to be hugely helpful. I mean, I have been drinking much less since the end of dry January. Partially, I just got out of the habit, right? So if you have a habit of having wine with dinner and then suddenly you're not having wine with dinner, you sort of just break that habit. Yeah. So I've found it, you know, really effective in that way. Now, I will say I did miss like having alcohol, like at social things on the weekends, but it was good to do those events without alcohol and see, well, it's totally fine. So I have found that it had a lasting impact. Well, another reason um, or another time where people very traditionally give something up is Lent. And it's very appropriate because we're in Lent right now. This year, Lent is from March 6th to April 18th. So we're in the middle of it. And Lent is the 40-day period that precedes Easter. So a lot of people in the Christian faith will observe this period of Lent by giving up certain luxuries or indulgences. 
as a way to recognize the sacrifice of Jesus going into the desert. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to give up sugar, or I'm going to give up alcohol, or I'm going to give up, you know, something um, as a sacrifice. But I think people often do do it as a way to kind of like, I need to get myself back into like more healthy mm -hmm. habits. So they, maybe this is when they give up smoking or, mm. you know, things like that. I have to say that I think this can be really, really powerful and helpful, but I do see that there is a potential downside uh. that I saw when I was doing my research for Better Than Before. So Better Than Before was my book about habit change, how to make or break habits. And just like you said, it broke you out of your habit of the way you were drinking. And so it kind of made you rethink drinking and your patterns of drinking. So that's great. But I think what happens sometimes is people think, oh, I gave up sugar for Lent. Or, oh, wow. I, get, I, I, get, I did dry January and it was no big deal. And so sometimes they feel like, well, I've created a habit. But in fact, you've just worked towards an end goal, which is the month or the end mm. of Lent. And sometimes with some people, it actually is harder because then if they want to keep going, they sort of feel like they have to start again. And starting again is harder. And so if you're doing this, think of this as being something that, you're doing for a time period, if you're really trying to kickstart a habit that you want to go forever, if you're like, I want to give up sugar starting now, but I really want to do it forever, you want to make sure that you're thinking about it as a milestone, the end of the month, the end of Lent, the right. end of the 21 day yoga challenge or whatever is a milestone, but you want to keep going because I do see that sometimes people are surprised. Like a lot of times like, oh, the first time I do dry January, it's really easy. So I think, oh, I can do this anytime. But then when you try to do it again, it can be harder. Like, I don't know, for a lot of people, doing something again yeah. is harder than doing it the first time. Interesting. Well, I'll report back next January if I decide to do this again, if it's harder. Yeah. Well, and you see how people do this, like they'll give up TV because they feel like I'm just watching too much TV or I'm going to give up this soul-sucking app. I think sometimes it's easier to say, I'm going to give it up for a month and see how I do than to say, like, I'm going to quit forever, which can feel very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Another way that giving something up can be useful is it's a way to avoid the hedonic treadmill. And Ooh. yeah, great phrase, right? What is that? So yeah. people are adaptable and we will adjust to a circumstance very quickly for better or for worse. And so this is great because when something gets tougher or harder, we get used to that. Um, but it also means that when circumstances improve, we can kind of get hardened to it. You know, like, you know, you have air conditioning for the first time and it's amazing, but very quickly you get used to air conditioning and it doesn't feel like a luxury. And so you have coffee every morning. And so you feel like you need your coffee, but it doesn't feel like a treat anymore. Mm. Aldous Huxley has this great line, habit converts luxurious enjoyments into dull and daily necessities. Wow. And so one way to cure the hedonic treadmill is deprive yourself of something for a period. Like if you don't drink coffee for a month, oh my gosh, you're going to love coffee so yes. much. I remember yes. for a while I had to stop wearing contact lenses. Um, and I was mm. like, Contact lenses are like the greatest thing that have ever happened to me in my whole life, which I hadn't thought about contact lenses for years because I just took them right. for granted. So sometimes like giving something up is also a way to make sure that you keep your appreciation for something alive. If you feel like Absolutely. it's sort of deadened, this will reawaken it. Now, Gretchen, how does this fit into your whole abstainer moderator thing? That's a great question. So I think this kind of approach really works really well for people who are abstainers. And those are people mm. who are kind of the all or nothing people like me, where it's easier for us to give something up altogether than to indulge in moderation. 
Now, some people are moderators and they don't do well giving something altogether. So if you know that mm. this doesn't work for you, that you like to have something sometimes or you like to have a little bit, then maybe this wouldn't be an approach that would appeal to you. But if you have kind of that abstainer way, like for me, I find it easier to give something up altogether and actually kind of fun mm. to give up something altogether mm. more than to try to <laughs> cut back, which is much harder. Okay, that makes sense. Um, now, Gretch, one thing you mentioned was giving up shopping, which, yeah. I mean, this is a huge topic of conversation, I feel like, in the United States right now. A lot of people are trying to give up shopping. Yeah. Now, you and I, we're underbuyers, so yeah. <laughs> we don't need to give up shopping. Yeah. Sarah, for 2019, has vastly reduced how much shopping she does. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I think this is a good example of like, you sort of have to pick the thing that works for you or that would make a difference for you. For you and me, that would not be a particularly useful thing to give up. But what else could we give up? I mean, I bet if I gave up coffee, I would become so, so, Whoa. so thrilled with coffee because I just would appreciate it so much. I don't want to give up coffee, but I can imagine. I would never give up coffee. <laughs> so I can give up coffee. What I about an app? if I could give up nagging. Ooh. Does that count? Anything counts. Yeah. Maybe I should try to give up nagging for a month. I don't even know. We're going to have to have a whole sidebar conversation about what that even means. But I'm sure Adam would love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe you could have like a family, like they would all propose something. Maybe I should ask my family what they want me to give up. <laughs> that would be funny. Well, Elizabeth, what I should really give up is hair twisting for a month. I don't know that I could do that. Mm. I really don't. I don't know. But I should try. I'm going to think about it. Okay, let's, okay. okay. We'll I'm going to challenge myself to do this. I am going to challenge myself, but not just yet. I, I think I need to warm up to it, but I'm going to do this. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Maybe let, after your book tour. I think after the book tour, yes. Not be, I don't actually twist my hair that much. I never twist it in public or rarely in public, but yeah, maybe it will definitely drain me to give up hair twisting. Well, let us know if you tried this at home and how giving up something for a month works for you and what you gave up. I'm going to be so interested to see what people pick. Oh, yeah. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or as always, go to the show notes for this episode at happiercast.com slash 214. Coming up, Gretchen will reveal her leather pants happiness hack. But first, this break. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers. So you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash happier. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. Okay, Gretch, it is time for a happiness hack. And I said it was a leather pants <laughs> happiness hack, but it's sort of the opposite of a leather pants happiness hack. Yes. So my hack is if you are 
thinking about what to buy. Do not buy something if when you put it on, it feels like a costume. Mm. Now, I just recently got rid of a pair of expensive leather pants that someone convinced <laughs> me to buy. And I said, I remember thinking like, these do not feel like me. I feel like I'm dressed up like somebody else. But it was like, no, you can do it. Push yourself out of your comfort zone. You can, you look great in these leather pants. You know, you can wear them all the time. Who was I kidding? What was I thinking? <laughs> I should have paid attention to the fact that it felt like a costume. I felt like right. I was dressing up in someone else's clothes. That is not a good sign. Right. It's like many people can wear leather pants, but if you don't feel yes. like you, you're not going to want to wear leather pants. Yes. And I think I saw somebody wearing a pair of leather pants the other night and I was like, those leather pants I could wear. Like they were cut in a uh. way I'm like, I could wear those leather pants, but I'm like, these many people could have worn them. I'm sure I could have worn them. Fine. Yes. But they would have uh, looked great, I'm sure. But I, I just I was like, no, no, no. And so why did I ever buy them? That, you know, just dumb, dumb mistake. So that was that's please learn the lesson from my error. Beware um, of the Gretch, For me, this is the housewives test. If Ooh. I put something on and I feel like this is something one of the real housewives would wear, uh -oh. it's quite likely that it's not <laughs> something I'll ever actually wear out in public. It's the fantasy self. It's your fantasy real housewives side of your personality. Yes. <laughs> yes uh, yeah. It's You just want to try to avoid making those but, purchasing mistakes, and it's hard. Yes, we've all fallen into this trap. We've all done it. Here is a great tip related to the four tendencies. So this four tendencies tip comes from our listener, Julie. Julie says, I signed up for piano lessons last year and started with gusto, but then a familiar pattern began to appear. I started to lose interest. I skipped a lesson here and there and fascinatingly to me, found myself rationalizing skipping a class by saying, oh, well, I've already paid for it. So the teacher won't lose money if I don't go. <laughs> She's been paid already. I would have thought paying for the class would hold me accountable, but nope. Anyway, when I went to pay my money for this year's classes, the teacher said to me, I meant to tell you, I'm starting my PhD, and as a result of this, my supervisor will be looking at my attendance list at the end of each term. And if I have too many students who start and then drop off, I'm going to have to explain this to my supervisor as it could be the result of my poor teaching. So if you're going to sign up, please be committed to attending as it will reflect badly on me if you don't. Bam! Accountability. If I don't go to class, it will make her look bad in front of her supervisor. I started classes months ago, and I haven't missed a single class all year. <laughs> well, this is great. Yes. This, so if you have, if you don't know what we're talking about with the four tendencies, you can go take the quiz and learn a little bit about the tendencies at GretchenRubin.com slash quiz. But so listen, something we talk about all the time is how to obligers create accountability because obliger is the biggest group, like mm -hmm. for both men and women, lots of people are obligers, you're an obliger, but they all need outer accountability to meet inner expectations. Like Julie needs outer accountability to meet the inner expectation of taking piano, but they vary dramatically in what works for them in terms of accountability. And that is what is so fascinating about this. Yes. I mean, I totally get as an obliger that you think paying is going to create the accountability, but then it doesn't because the teacher's not suffering if yeah. you don't show up. But 100% for me, if a teacher told me they would look bad if I didn't show up to class, like I would go with 104 fever. I'd be like, I'm here. 
So I so get this. Well, and this shows is that if you're an obliger and something that you think is going to create outer accountability somehow isn't, keep pushing yourself to find mm. the way to get the outer accountability because you're exactly right. The paying for some people really works, but some people it doesn't. And a kind of an analogous situation to this is people have told me about gym classes. So let's say you're paying to go to, a, to an exercise class. You might think, oh... That's enough to make me go. But then, okay, whoops, it's not enough to make me go. What a lot of obligers say is that if their class is set up so that there is a limited number of spots, so let's say 20 people can attend this class, and if you take up a slot and you don't show up, that means that somebody who would have liked to have attended the class was not able to attend the class. Many obligers Mm. have said that makes them go because they feel like, how can I be like disrespectful to the world of people who are on the wait list? By saying that I'm going to go and taking up a slot and then showing up. So then that helps. So, so, but again, and I think that there's lessons here for the people, if you're the supervisor or you're the teacher or you're, you know, the, like, how do you make people feel like it's not just, oh, you're losing your own money, Julie. And so Julie's like, well, I don't Mm -hmm. care. But like, how are you letting me down? I think this is fascinating. Yes. I think Julie's experience actually has relevance for people who are obligers, who are trying to figure out how do they create that accountability. But it's also a lesson for the people around obligers who are trying Mm. to help create accountability for them to think through, okay, what's working, what's not working in terms of actually helping a person follow through for their inner expectations for themselves. Yes. Thank you, Julie. Excellent for tendencies tip. Yes. And now for a listener answer. We're not doing a listener question this week. We are doing a listener answer. And as always, you can leave a voicemail question or answer at 774-277-9336, which is also 77-HAPPY-336. Or you can email us or send us a voice memo to podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Yes. So Gretchen, when we have a listener answer, it means someone's asked us a question and we want to reach out to our listeners for answers because it's a big question that we don't have all the answers for. Right. And this comes from Erin. She writes, I have a question for your wonderful listeners. My mom has been diagnosed with cancer and will need to sit for IV chemotherapy. These treatments can last for hours. I'm thinking of making a book for her to carry to each treatment to occupy her mind. I want it to be beautiful and filled with inspiring pictures, quotes, etc. I would love ideas of readings or quotes to include and hearing what other things people have done during their chemo infusions to feel as calm and well as possible during their infusions. Well, this is a great question. And it reminds me, we talked about that listener's uh, answer about how she made paper chains for each treatment. And so that each treatment, she could rip off a link and see the chain shrinking as a way to mark the time. That's a great idea. So I wonder what other ideas people have come up with, both as the person undergoing it, like the person making the chains or the person Mm -hmm. who is the the friend, the family member who's trying to think about what can I do to help prepare this person or to change the atmosphere or make a beautiful book like this. Yeah, I bet people have come up with really, really beautiful and uh, helpful things to do to make this challenging time easier. Yes. So everyone send us your ideas and we will follow up. And Aaron, hopefully that will be helpful to you. Yeah, I cannot wait to see what people have come up with. Coming up, I give myself a Girl Scout cookie demerit first (laughs) this break. Elizabeth, it's time for demerits and gold stars. You said you had a Girl Scout cookie demerit, so I 
think I have an idea of where this might be going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Gretchen, this was like, I mean, 101 after four years of doing this podcast. (laughs) I should have known better than this, but I didn't. So it was Girl Scout cookie season very recently. It just ended. And I had gotten through the whole Girl Scout cookie season without buying one box of cookies, not even, you know, a stray thin mint. Uh Uh-huh. And then I was at an event one night and there was like a whole bunch of moms there. And one mom said to me, oh, hey, this is the last week for Girl Scout cookies. If you want to buy some, let me know. And I don't know. I just suddenly felt like, oh, I should buy cookies. Like, Mm. oh, her daughter wants to sell cookies. Mm -hmm. I haven't bought any. It's Girl Scout season. I should buy some. And I said, okay, I'll buy some. And she said, well, what do you want? And it was seemed too much to think about, well, what do I want? Because also that would be saying like actively buying cookies. So I just said, oh, just give me one of everything. I thought there were like four kinds of cookies. Yeah. I completely forgot about this exchange. And the next morning she emailed like, okay, I sent eight box of cookies to school for Jack. You can Venmo me $42. Wow. And I was like, Eight boxes. Oh my God. Like, whoa. Yeah. I had no idea I was buying eight boxes of cookies. And the last thing I want to bring into my house when I'm trying to lose 25 (laughs) pounds is eight boxes of Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. What is it about Girl Scout cookies, too? It's like, I know. Well, it's like I felt like I would be denying Jack Mm. like part of childhood if Mm. he didn't have thin mints for a year. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and now I will say I gave three of the boxes away immediately. So three of them, I didn't even get into the cabinet. Now I could have given all of them away, but of course I just couldn't bear it because I love Girl Scout cookies. So what do you wish you had done differently? I wish I just said, oh, I'm good. Thanks. Mm. And not gotten any Girl Scout cookies. Right. Yeah. I mean, that would have been the answer because the truth is Jack doesn't need Girl Scout cookies. Right. It's not like he'd been begging me for Girl Scout cookies. (laughs) You know, he hadn't been like, Mom, where are the Thin Mints? He hadn't mentioned it once. I don't think it was on his radar. Well, you know, there is something about Girl Scout cookies. There's a pull that's outside (laughs) of all reason when it comes to those things. It's true. Yeah. So... Uh, anyway, so I, you know, next time, next year, I'll just say, oh, I'm good. Thanks. Full up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Gretchen, what is your gold star? So I want to give a gold star to a Netflix TV show called Russian Doll. It's eight episodes. I have watched it twice. I watched it with Jamie and then I wanted to see it again because it's one of these things oh where gosh. once you've seen it, you want to see it again so you can kind of unpack it more. So I will read the official description. Emmy-nominated actress Natasha Lyonne stars in this comedy drama series as Nadia, a young woman who is on a journey to be the guest of honor at a party in New York City. But she gets caught in a mysterious loop as she repeatedly attends the same event and dies at the end of the night each time, only to awaken the next day unharmed as if nothing had happened. In addition to starring, Lyonne co-created the show with Saturday Night Live alum Amy Poehler, who I love from Parks and Rec, and serves as a writer and director for the Netflix original series. So you might think that they can't keep this premise going. You may say, oh, I saw the movie Groundhog Day. Like, Mm -hmm. I've been there, done that. But it really, really delivers. Okay, I need to watch this. I have not watched, but I've heard people love it. Well, and here's something um, that I want to really call it out. So 
A major plot point in the show is a book called Emily of New Moon by Ella Montgomery. And this is like, she is the author of Anne of Green Gables, but she also wrote all these other books. And and Jamie turned to me and he's like, do you know about this book? And I'm like, do I know about this book? Do we own this book? Have I read this book three times? Do I have the Anne books? Do I have the Pat books? Do I have the Emily books? Yes, I do. And I will post a photo Mm -hmm. of my entire collection of the Ella Montgomery books. I love a show that has a work of children's literature at its core. Um, And there's also something I want to mention for people who have seen the show. This is a little bit spoilery, but I don't think it's very spoilery because you won't know what I'm talking about if you haven't seen it. There is a moment when the character Horse lifts a paper mache head of a stag onto his head. And when he did that, it was like the hair rose on the back of my neck. I felt every archetype in my mind firing away. Mm. I felt like everything in the show rose to an entirely new level. This is why I had to watch it again. I felt like this one moment like revealed the whole thing was so much bigger than you could tell on first watching. And so um, I really, really felt like it was something worth watching, not even just one time, but two times. So I give it a big gold star. Wow. Well, I'm intrigued, Rich. I've got to <laughs> see what this uh, stag head is all about. There you go. <laughs> and that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Consider giving up something for a month. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. And what did you give up? Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed. Also, thanks to our engineer, Bob Tabador, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. And I have to mention it again. If you feel inclined to write a review of my book, Outer Order, Inner Calm, wherever you write your book reviews, that would be very much appreciated as well. Um, We've put together a collection of readings suggested by podcast listeners that would be helpful if you are planning a funeral or memorial service. If you want that PDF, you can download it at GretchenRubin.com slash resources. And if you love mugs the way Elizabeth loves mugs, you can buy a Happier Podcast mug at GretchenRubin.com slash shop. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. Wait, Gretchen, what did these leather pants look like? They were kind of like a mossy green brown, and they were very tight, and they were uncomfortable. Ah. And I was just like, I feel like I'm dressed up in a costume. I have no idea how to incorporate these into my life. <laughs> so, oh, I wish I'd seen them. No, I got them out of my closet and off my conscience. <laughs> From the Onward Project.